of this rambling. <laughs> why, don't we, why, don't we, why don't we give Karen a hand as she comes and just honor her this morning. Um, you don't all stand and clap for me. <laughs> I was just thinking that, my gosh, what a good welcome, isn't it? <laughs> I feel so loved. <laughs> oh, morning, church. For those of you that don't know who I am, I'm Karen and I'm married to Haynes. We've got two beautiful kids. Um, Gareth actually turns 20 this coming Tuesday. And um, Katie is 14, and she's just gone out with Ellie with the, the, the girls that um, Ellie's mentoring. So it's all about uh, family and doing things together. You don't have to do it alone. So to be honest, when Michael asked me in July already if you would talk on, um, if you would be willing to share, and he said, you know, we're talking on practicing the way of Jesus, my heart actually stopped a bit. <laughs> As he, and as he was explaining, I had like a thousand thoughts running through my head. You know, I'm not the best prayer. I'm not, you know, it says go make disciples. I can do that. But it says heal the sick. Do I do that? You know, do I read my Bible enough? Do I have all the knowledge that I need? Now, all these thoughts are running. Am I actually qualified to come and share? But then he said to me, we'd love you to talk in community. And it was like a wave of relief. Because <laughs> I love community. You know, one of our values here at Awaken is belong. And, um, you know, it's the first one, and I think it's so important, because once you belong and you're in community, that's where you find your belonging, that's when everything else follows. You find out your significance, you find out your, your um, purpose, and everything's just great. So, you know, I'm really, really passionate about belonging and community. So today I'm going to be attempting to share my journey on finding community, and when I've done it wrong, and when I've done it right, and what God's taught me in that. And so, you know, if we look at what the dictionary says about community, it um, defines community as people with a common purpose. It's living in a particular area. So a common purpose, we all have um, or common interests. For us here at Awaken, we all love Jesus. So that's why we're here today. And we're in a, in a particular area. We're all in upper hut or lower hut. And it's easy for us to come together and, and celebrate what we have in common. Um, you know, it's also, it's about religion, it's about interests, it's about experience. And so what, you know, what we have in common, like I said, it's Jesus. It's not our education or the color of our skin or where we come from or our income, but it's more about Jesus and because we love you together. And the main thing about community is that it's actually, it's life-giving. It's essential to following Christ. Scripture says it's because we're better together than we are alone. In Romans 12, 4 to 5, in the um, Passion Translation, it says, In the human body there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. So check the time there, sorry. <laughs> and so it is in the body of Christ, for though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body of Christ. This means that we're all vitally joined to one another, with each contributing to the others. Jesus called his disciples. He didn't call one. When he first started, he called two, the two brothers. And then, he, you know, he called 12 in total. And he, Jesus lived in community. And we have the Trinity. You know, Jesus, God was not alone. He had um, Jesus, Son of God, Holy Spirit. It's all about um, relationship and, and being together. 
And then, of course, God made Adam and Eve. He made Adam first, and he said, you know, Adam can't be alone. He needs a companion. He has to be in a relationship, so let's make Eve. So, ladies out there, you are an answer to a problem. God made Eve. <laughs> so, I'm just going to start sharing a little bit about our journey here to, um, you know, how we came to New Zealand um, about 15 years ago. July was 15 years ago, and... Um, Naturally, like as the definition says, um, you, you flock together with things that you have in common. And we started out in Johnsonville, and we immediately connected to a um, South African church. Um, and that's the exact definition of community. We had so much in common. There was all this me too. The base of all friendship is me too. So, you know, in that community, we were able to go, oh, you've just moved over, me too. Oh, I brought nothing with me. Me too. <laughs> I've had to go through immigration. These are the struggles I'm going through. Me too. Everything's so familiar, but so different. Me too. After about two years, we moved to Upper Hutt. And even though we were connected, um, still at, in, in, in Johnsonville with our, with our church family there, it was very hard to stay connected. We wanted to do life with people. We wanted to go to, you know, the... the all the training they were doing, all the, the get-togethers, and, um, you know, besides just a Sunday, because coming to church is not just about a Sunday. You don't belong to a church as a come on a Sunday. You come to do a life together. And so we found it pretty hard to go over the hill to go and do these things, especially at night, you know. If you have home group on a Wednesday night, it's over the Haywards. It's pretty far. And so it comes back to that definition of community is actually live, living in the same area. And so we decided we have to find a church home here in Upper Hutt, and that's where we'll serve. And we found a church, and we served there faithfully for seven years. The mantra of the church was really um, good and faithful servant. And, you know, we served pretty well there. We were quite involved. Um, all of our decisions were really, you know, we, we based it on what church was doing, what church life was like. If we were going away for a weekend, what was happening at church? If we were going away for a holiday, what was happening there? Um, all our get-togethers, everything was around church and community um, in, that, in, that, in that church, really. And in uh, 2013, um, Hayes started working in Australia. And to be honest, things went a bit haywire. <laughs> and I decided to leave the church um, and look for another church. The sad part of, of it really was um, what I learned from being in community at that church was that it was actually, for me anyway, and what I was doing, it was all about exclusivity. I wasn't involving other people, and in, in it was all about church, all about the families in the church. Everybody knew me. I knew all of them, all their business. It was exclusive. And so what I found in the journey is that exclusivity in community is not about it either. And when you are in church and you're doing community, there's vulnerability and there's emotion. So it wasn't easy leaving that church. Um, we lost all our friends. But that's what happens when you do life with just your church family. So Mark uh, 2, 13 to 17. Get that quick. As Jesus calls Levi and eats with the sinners. So once again, G uh, in this verse 13 to verse 17, it says, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. And as he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting on the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. 
And Levi got up, got up and followed him. While he was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. And there were many more that followed him. And when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? Oh, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And there, because Jesus lived in community, he wasn't just with the people that believed in him. He was with, with others that did not believe in him too. So community is not about being exclusive. So when I left that community, it really affected my kids as well. And I was like, what am I modeling for community here? Um, they lost all their friends because we only did life with people in that church. Every birthday, every Christmas, every celebration was with the people in that church. We had no friends outside of that church. And um, they lost their safe places, and they thought that it was actually something that they did. It was their fault. So exclusive community is not, is not healthy. Community should be life-giving. Although everybody knew me there, it was not good. And so... Um, Looking back, though, on that journey, I can honestly share that I probably left that church out of offense. And, you know, Haynes and I have been on a journey of restoration um, with the pastors there. And, you know, we catch up every now and again. And that's what it's about. Asking forgiveness, restoring, and, and moving forward. And still continuing having them in our community, in our greater community. Um, but when I left there, really, my world was shattered. And I walked into Awaken on a Sunday morning, feeling broken feeling very alone. And the first song that we sang here was there's freedom in this place. Freedom reigns in this place. And I could not help but just sob that morning. I realized that my identity was in the church, not in Christ. And so if you're thinking about calling Awaken home and you've been visiting for a while, I want to encourage you that and tell you and I reassure you that Awaken is a safe place. There is freedom here. It's what our pastors live and breathe. We gave um, one of our youth a, a ride home the other day, and he was sharing his journey with us. And, you know, Haynes and I said to him, you are safe at Awaken. And I want to tell you, you that are not connected and that are still thinking about should I be here or not, you are safe. No matter where you are on your journey, as you are discovering your purpose and your plan that God has for your life, wherever you are, in your hurts, in your victories, Awaken is a safe place. Let's do life together. So coming to Awaken, all I knew really was uh, to throw myself into serving, <laughs> which is what I, what I do, you know, because hospitality and belonging is really important to me. You know, when I say that when belonging is important, it means that when you come into church, you know, I want people to, to know that we actually see them. I see you. I hear you. You are a person. And when you're not here on a Sunday, we miss you. There's a part of the body of Christ missing. You have a plan and a purpose that God has placed you at Awaken. We miss you. And so, you know, I love everything I do is because of my passion for belonging and for community. But I had to prove that I was a good and a faithful servant here at Awaken. But in October 2018, Michael preached a sermon on um, the prodigal son. And for me, it was my aha moment. So I'd been here like four years already serving faithfully. And I'd always focus on the son that left and came back. I'd never actually focused on the father 
and I'd certainly never focus on the older brother. And um, through that sermon, I actually realized I'm the older brother. It was ugly. It was a horrible feeling. It wasn't comfortable at all. You know, I was trying to prove myself. I was trying to find my identity and what I was doing. And um, it was exhausting. So I stayed for prayer that day. And the prayer team, after they prayed for me and they said, step forward, they said, you know, say that God loves me. And I couldn't say it. I just couldn't look them in the eye and say, God loves me, because I didn't believe it. But that day I had an encounter with the Father and the Father's love, and I was forever changed. You know, growing up, I've come from a broken home. Lots of emotional, physical, and mental abuse. If you ask me about my father, I'll tell you I'm a daddy's girl. I always had to please my dad, though. And you know, it is Father's Day, and I do want to honor my dad, and he's come a long way. And, you know, Haynes and I were believing that my father would find, you know, God, find Jesus, that he would find family like we have. And last year, um, yesterday actually, was a year since Haynes' dad passed. And this time last year, Haynes had to go back to South Africa to be his dad. And um, Haynes spent some time with my dad. I haven't seen my dad since we've come to New Zealand. We've gone back once when Katie was one. She's now 14. And so, um, you know, so I've last seen him like 14 years ago. And, um, you know, Haynes got to spend time with my dad, and my dad has given his heart to God. And so, you know, I just want to encourage you, if you're praying for family that are lost, that haven't come home yet, keep praying. God answers prayer. And my dad was, you know, pretty excited about church, and he loves praise and worship, and it just filled my heart with so much love for the Father again, because he is just so... Um, you know, he, he, he's with you. He doesn't leave you. He never forsakes you. He knows your heart's desires. You know, Haynes' dad, on the other hand, um, you know, whenever we arrived at his house, he'd come running like a big child to come and greet us. He was always just so happy to see us. I never felt like a daughter-in-law in, in um, Haynes' parents' house. I always felt like a daughter. And, you know, so even though, you know, I've been on this journey and um, I realized that you know, to get my father's attention, I actually had to, I had to be good at school. I had to get, you know, A's. I had to be in high grade. Um, you know, the only time he really praised me was when I did well. Uh, you know, even today he'll ask me, like, how's work? Are you doing okay um, at work? Are you flourishing at work? How's your health? How's your weight? It's always about, about that. Um, you know, but we're working through it. It's a journey, and uh, until, I think, about maybe two years ago, my dad actually never called me in New Zealand, so... You know, this saying that God loves me, it comes from that, it stems from that. And I've had to learn who God actually is, that he accepts me, who I am, for who he created me to be, not for what I do for him. And the problem with that, um, that day really was that I had been unmasked, and I was left to figure out who I am and who's my identity. And so Yara was serving, very involved, attended every meeting, and uh, don't get me wrong, that's who I am at my core, that's what I do. I believe God created me to be this way. Um, but I was trying to do it my own strength. I was striving. I was getting burnt out. And I was really not doing it for the right reasons or the right motives. I was doing it to be um, recognized, to be seen. I was trying hard to belong. And I was trying to create an atmosphere for everybody else to feel like they belong. Yet I was at Awaken, and we are Awaken. If anybody asked you who I am, they would... I would answer, I'm, I'm awakened. I believe totally in what awaken does, what they stand for, what they're trying to achieve. 
But Awaken's not a building. It's not these four walls today. It's actually you and me. And so you would have thought that so entrenched in, in Awaken community that I was, I was known. And I thought I was known. I thought you guys knew me. <laughs> but alas, this was my second hard journey. I had to, my second hard lesson I needed to learn about community. And um, I haven't shared my message with, with Haynes. So, you know, Haynes, I, I know I'm being up here vulnerable and I'm sharing some of our personal stuff, but this is what it is about community. It's about being vulnerable, but where you've been. You know, the word of God says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And some of you might be going through the same thing, which is why, you know, I'm taking the risk today to share my heart and where we've come from. At the end of 2018, a day before Christmas, um, Haynes went to work as normal and they got a, a message, meet us in the staff room, um, not knowing what was happening. They got there and the, work, the place that he was working for, Taratahi, was actually put into liquidation. And the message was basically take your bag and go. And, um, you know, it was just before Christmas. We had a really, really bad Christmas. We, we, we go to family camp every year up in Auckland. We love it. We get to be with that community and build relationship with those people. And we get to come back year after year and reconnect again. And sometimes we connect with them during the year, but they are just friends. Um, if you're not doing life with people day in and day out, that's, it's just a friend, it's just an acquaintance, really. But we love going there because we can actually rest. That year I did not rest. It was, it was awful. Haynes and I were arguing all the time. I'm like, I was worrying about money, what's going to happen. Um, and uh, out of the church family, yeah, one person texted me and said, I saw the news, are you okay? And that really hurt. I only heard from one. And I'm just being honest today, church. It really hit me that I heard from nobody else. And again, my children's reaction was, Mom, when people are in need in church, you, you pray for them, you go see them, you take them a meal. Where are people when we need them? Because we were really struggling as a family. Where is everyone? And again, I realized, what am I doing? What picture am I showing my kids for community? In the previous one, everybody knew me. Everybody knew the ins and outs of our, of our life. And um, I was doing the same thing at Awakened, but nobody knew me. And a long story short, I felt alone. I put in the hard work. I had tried, and I felt like I had no friends. And uh, at that point, Haynes and I decided that it's probably time to leave, leave Awaken. I mean, it's no secret that, you know, I came to Awaken first while Haynes was in Australia. I chose Awaken. And sometimes in the spiritual realm, you've got to close some doors before you can move forward. And so Haynes never really felt like Awaken was home. So as I was preparing this message, I came across a text that I sent Ellie. Um, she, sent, she sent to me just after um, Haynes caught up with, with Michael in person and um, said to him that we, we've decided we were going to move on. Um, and gave him my reasons. It wasn't a very long or deep conversation. Um, but that night, Ellie texted me and said, hey, Marcos, just let me know that you guys are moving on from church. And I'll read the text, and I'll read it in, in its entirety. I hope Ellie doesn't mind me sharing. I hope, Haynes, you don't mind me sharing what I put in my text either. Um, but, you know, Ellie said, I you know, we're going to miss you guys, and I hope we can catch up. And so this is what I sent back to her. I said, oh, Ellie, I hope our friendship is more than just church. I'm going to miss you more and we'll have to be intentional about catching up. And that was because of my old experiences that I had in my previous church. We were never caught up. We were, we were locked out. We lost all our friendships there. And I go on to say, it's a decision we only made last week. We don't have another church. We have no specific church in mind either. I chose Awaken when we left the church. And Hayes has never really felt that Awaken is home. I'm tired of being at odds at church. 
of our church, and I'm weary of doing church life on my own. And to be honest, as I've shared before, I've always felt alone at Awaken. We don't do life with anyone at Awaken. And this is very evident when Haynes lost his job the Thursday before Christmas. It was all over the evening news. It wasn't stuff. It wasn't the newspapers, yet we heard from no one. Nobody even checked in with us. And maybe nobody made the connection because nobody really knows us. And I know I've tried really hard to build connections. I reached out to Sarah, but Haynes had nobody that he felt he could reach out to. And through the last month's journey, I've been acutely aware that I'm a nine on the Enneagram. So retreating, withdrawing, and isolating is what I do when I feel like, like I do right now. There's my excuses again. <laughs> it's simple, it's who I am, it's what I do, right? So it should be okay. And maybe we'll find our way back to Waken, but right now it's more important that Haynes and I come into unity about the church that we attend. And I mean, I ended it with that, and that was my excuse for wanting to leave, because um, Haynes and I had never really chosen Awaken together. But it was just really masking the hurt that I was feeling. Um, you know, yep, we had to come into unity about which church we are, we are fellowshipping at together, but the, the root cause is really how I was feeling. Um, about serving and then not having anybody there for me. And you know what? Um, Ellie and Michael gave us all the space we needed. They still checked in with us. They gave us the freedom to do what we needed to do. And um, our place at Awaken, they let us know that our place at Awaken was not about who, what we do or um, where we were serving, but it was more about who we were, who, who Hans and I were as people and who we were as a family with our kids. And um, I realized through that journey that I, you know, we just spent lots of time with God, like I missed you guys. You know, did anybody notice we were gone? <laughs> I did get some phone calls. Um, you know, especially Rose. Uh, I saw Rose on the door today, but you know, Rose is a perfect example of living in community. Um, living in community is, is about vulnerability and learning together and taking risks, and Rose does that. She throws herself in completely, and we've seen her groan. She's fearless when it comes to that stuff. Um, but I realized that I had an expectation on our pastors. I was looking for them to fill a need because of my experience that I had at the previous church. They were so involved with their lives, and I'm like, where are these pastors? Like, where is the elders? Where is the leaders? Where are the fellow people that we, we do life with, really? Um, and so, you know, that was, that was God having to do with me. So you're, getting your, you're trying to get your expectations met from somebody else, and it's actually you need to get them met by me. And we worked through that and we came through it. And, um, you know, but I really missed Awaken. And Haynes and I spoke about it and we visited a few churches and we knew that our heart was connected at Awaken. And so, you know, I messaged Ali and I said, you know, I wish we'd rather taken a sabbatical. We weren't in ministry, but, you know, I feel like that's what we should have rather done. We should have taken the time out, just rested. And, you know, Ali just came back to me and said, you're welcome to come back. Just come back and sit. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. We're welcoming you back with open arms. And that's what they did. We came back and we just sat for a while. Just to be fed, to be filled up again. And you know, and I'm still serving. I'm still passionate about hospitality and belonging. But it's in the community, yeah, that I've learned that um, there's a difference actually between hospitality and entertaining. There's lessons that we need to learn while we're in community. And there's the safety to learn them as well. You know, so I like to do events. I like to create um, opportunities for people to come together. 
for them to be seen, to be heard. So I like to create that atmosphere, but you know, I am a little bit um, OCD, so I like things done <laughs> in, this, in a certain way. And you know, but um, I've learned not to sweat the small stuff. So you know, I try to prepare as best I can to create the atmosphere, to create a place where we can come together and connect. But then I've also learned to be present. You know, it's that story of Martha and, and Mary. You know, I can be busy, but when people come, I need to be present. I need to be able to be present to be listening, to really be there in person, to go deep in our conversations, and to hold each other accountable. And you know, what people share, um, you know, it's good to check in. Often, Haynes and I catch up with people, and then I say to him, oh, did you, did you hear that? Did you, they say that? Did you make this connection? And Haynes got no clue. <laughs> So, you know, it's important that I'm not stuck in the kitchen, that I'm out there at the table with them. Because <laughs> Haynes will, you know, in his, in, his, um, you know in, in his gifting, he just wants people to be free. And so he'll just like, you know, preach into that and, and, and go off on this tangent. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Haynes? Like, you know, did you not realize this and this and this? Yeah. And, um, you know, Haynes and I do try to live in community. And how we try and do it is we actually do it around meals. We like to have people into our house. We like to invite friends around and neighbours. And if, you know, if I ever invite you over, you're more than welcome to bring somebody along that you, that you feel should be connected in. And it doesn't have to be somebody to awaken. You can meet somebody at the supermarket or have a friend that's feeling lonely. You're always welcome to bring them with. When you come together in God's house, we all share. You know, so if we all carry the burden of bringing stuff of cleaning up, of everything else, then it shouldn't be a big deal to bring as many people as you want to my house. Um, you know, but it's in, in the face-to-face -face conversations around a table that we actually learn that um, to listen, to be fully present, to listen with tone, what the person's talking about. Is it, is it hurting? Is it something they've got a you know, victory over? And it's a chance for us to, to have empathy. And uh, you know, Jesus did lots and lots of meals around a table. And so if we read in John 13, verse 21 to 27, and it's so Jesus predicts his betrayal. And I'll start with verse 21. It says, After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to, to this disciple and said, Ask him what he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do it quickly. But no one at the meal understood what Jesus had said to him. Since Jesus had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to go buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. And there's a few things there. It's, it's all about um, intimacy. Um, you know, Jesus reclined at the table. There's one disciple that, you know, it says there that he um, leaned back against Jesus. 
So Jesus was able to have multiple conversations around the table, but he's also able to have intimate conversations. Like the disciples did not know where Judas was going. So Jesus must have been close enough to him to say, go do what you need to do without the rest. And that's what happens when you're around table. We can have big conversations, but we can have private conversations too and get to know people. And not call them out, but call them up. So why meals? Have you ever heard that you are what you eat? So when you have a meal together, you know, and I've, and I've been looking at this um, recently, like this blood chemistry stuff, um, just because I've been on a personal journey of, you know, need to get healthy and sort out myself and, you know, be the best I can. I need to, you know, look after myself. I don't do self-care. Self-love is, is foreign to me. So, you know, something that I'm, that I'm journeying through. And it's been a long journey. I wish I'd just arrived, but um, I haven't yet. <laughs> um, you know, but um, you are what you eat. And so if you eat something today, and if, if Josh and I eat together, he has the same food in him that I have in me. And whatever's making up my blood at that moment is making up his blood. And it's, apparently it takes like 90 days for your blood to renew. And so for 90 days, we're actually connected through it. And that's why I love, you know, the, 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 the um, communion table. Because it brings us all together. We're all sharing the same bread and the same juice. It, whatever's coursing through my veins for the next 90 days is coursing through your veins too. We do it together. There's intimacy. We're connected. Bible verse, yeah. In Luke 7, 33 to 34, it says, For John the Baptist came eating neither bread nor drinking wine, but the Son of Man came eating and drinking. This is what Jesus did. This is how the church grew, was around the table. And, uh, you know, when, when I was saying, like, we come together and if you have a friend and I've invited you and you've met somebody and you think that they need to connect and you don't know when am I going to get connected, I really want to have coffee with them or I want to have a meal with them, and the opportunity comes up and I've invited you to bring them. Because at the end of the day, when Jesus was at a party, the first miracle he did is he brought the wine. So we always, and he brought the best wine. So when we come together, we need to bring the best. And I've been pondering about this because we've been doing this series in our, in our Tuesday um, a community group, and uh, said, bring the best to the party, you know, because it's a celebration. And I'm like, how do I do that, Lord? And then at Awaken You on Thursday, I don't know how we came up with this on, on this uh, topic, uh, Michael, but Michael shared, you know, I've gone going to a barbecue, <laughs> and he always brings the steak, and everybody else always brings the sausages, and everybody helps himself, and at the end of the day, he's left with the sausages. That's what we meant to do. We're supposed to bring the best to a celebration. We are generous people. We all need to contribute. We're all part of family. Let's bring our best to the party. And one of the, the blessings we enjoy as Christians is that no matter where we find ourselves in the world, we'll always have community. And if we neglect table fellowship, we'll miss out on one of the wonderful ways that God builds authentic community in church. And we will sacrifice the opportunity to witness to others in the, the kingdom of God, the reality of the kingdom of God. And that's just not only our fellow Christians, but also the sinners and the tax collectors like Jesus did. We were made in God's image. We were created for a relationship, both with God and with other image bearers. By God's design, therefore genuine relationships are, are the basis of all human flourishing. Remember he said we are more when we are, we are better when we are together than we are apart. And we learn in the Bible that sharing a meal together is the primary way that relationship was built. 
like I said before, this is how the church grew back then. Relationships were established and deepened, and we enjoyed both with God and we enjoy it with, with others. Practically, sharing a meal nourishes our need to know and to be known because it facilitates face-to-face conversation. Jesus lived in community. He did not live alone. Lots of people turned Jesus down. It was too high a price to ask of them to follow him. But the end goal is that in community we are, we are called to grow and to mature into disciples that are people like him and we are pervaded by love. But being a community is messy. I've learned that. It involves being vulnerable and emotional. It's the good and the bad. And you're going to get hurt, but you're also going to grow as a person and you're going to grow as who God created you to be and you're going to grow into your purpose. So what's stopping us from actually being vulnerable and emotional is because we're only doing life on a surface level. We come to church, we only have Christian friends, we get involved with some outreach in the community, but we hold back a core part of who we are. And there's a few reasons for this. But you know, you need to know that Michael shared, you need to be reminded that Michael shared a little while ago that Jesus chose us, we did not choose him. We don't get to unchoose each other when we don't get along in this church. <laughs> but there's this tension between ourself and society. And sometimes it's, it's just swung too far. We need to rebalance that. And the way we rebalance that is about being in relationships, about being in community and having commitment. The word there is commitment. When it gets messy, when it gets hard, commitment, resilience, keep going. The breakthrough is coming. Individualism leads to loneliness. Psalm 68, 6 says, God sets the lonely in family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are family. We also have unrealistic expectations like I had of our pastors. So we wait and, wait and see what is happening. Do I see what I need to see? And if I don't, if I don't get treated the way I need to, or want to be treated or the way I think I should be treated because of my perception, then I just bounce from church to church and we don't ever put roots down and we don't ever get involved in community and we don't ever grow. And we're also a little bit scared of it. It's never nice to be vulnerable. But the root of that is really is fear. But when you live in a community or a, or a family, you see the, the best and the worst of people that we love. And ultimately, we are called, when, when things go wrong, we are, we will, um, when we ultimate, who we are ultimately will come out when we're in a relationship. And hopefully, you know, us as Christians, when we do go through this stuff, actually love comes out. No vulnerability is without risk. You've just got to accept that. If you're going to be vulnerable, there's going to be risk. But there's also no community if you're not vulnerable. So we need to have vulnerability and accountability, and love needs to be drenched in accountability. We need both. If you come to church and you're lonely, it's because you've only shared the goodness of who you are. That's all I see on the Sunday. I only see the good of you. I don't see what you are like during the week and your struggles, the worst, the wrongness of you. Take, sharing that takes great intimacy, but it also comes with vulnerability. But you are needed here. You are planted here at Awaken for a reason. There are people here that you need to um, accept because you don't want to. There are people here you need to honor because you have contempt for them. There's people that you need to instruct because they have no clue. <laughs> They've only just started maybe on their journey and they, you know, they're going through the stuff and you've been through it. Um, they need you to help teach, to come alongside them. There's people you need to bear with, people you need to confess to, and people you just need to simply love. 
Community and church is a place where you learn to love. As community, that is where is Jesus' school of love. That's where you learn love in community. Your family and your community, the people you do life with, is your training ground for love. Our closest relationship is always our hardest relationships and it's our training ground for love. If you want to apprentice after Jesus, you have to become love. So what do we do next? How do we disrupt the system? I would encourage you to join a squad. Um, you know, two girls and I, we joined a squad a little while ago and it's just, it's just good to know that somebody's there for you when you're going through stuff. Sometimes one might not be fully present and the other one is, that's okay, we all go through stuff, but we go through it together. But, you know, and, and get involved in a group. So if you don't want to join squad and that's a little bit too much for you, just, just three of you, then, then get into a, a group. There's plenty of groups that we have around. There's Awaken You. You know, I learned so much at Awaken You. It starts next term again. Hop in and next year. Hop into it for the full year. Make the commitment. You need to love the person that you want to gossip about or you want to avoid. There's people in this church that we're avoiding because we have something against them. Sort it out. We need to have those hard conversations that you want to ignore. We need to begin the practice of um, confession of sin. But you just need to start where you're at. And when you start, so you actually have to reclaim conversation. In a world that's growing more divided and isolated, one of the tangible, compelling, and attractive distinctions of the church is that we are authentic relationships and we're in a loving community. Christians will be people that actually talk to one another face to face. 2 John 12 says... Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face. That is that our joy may be full. And sometimes I think that, that paper and that ink is Facebook. We live our lives on Facebook and we think everybody knows it's happening in our lives. We all lead busy lives. You know, at work eight hours, then you with family, when do you have time to scroll through your Facebook and catch up on what's happening with your friends? That's not community. We talk about online community, but it's not really community. Are we keeping each other accountable? Are we calling each other up? Are we just scrolling through and liking and not actually engaging? It's not going deeper. So the music team can come up for us, please. When you're reclaiming this conversation, it's about finding your me too. I want to encourage you to start those conversations. Find who you have the common stuff with in church. I've got an alcohol addiction, me too. I can't sleep at night because I'm afraid. Me too. Right. I've overcome. Me too. Yeah. I love praise, worship, music. Me too. Yeah. Let's find the things that we have in common. And let's start sharing our stories. Stories is what gets us through. Yeah. We're overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Somebody needs to hear your testimony in this, in this church. We're not going to hear it in, in the setting like this. We're going to hear it when we get together afterwards. And so we're going to have communion soon. And like I want, to, I want to encourage you, like I said before, what we eat, we share, becomes part of us. But the Bible also says that before you have communion, you need to go make right with others. So if that's you today, you need to make right with somebody next to you or somebody across the room from you, I encourage you to do that today. And if it's something you need to do and make right with God, then do that because it's holding you back. It's holding you from growing. It's holding you from being in community. And um, let's start talking. Let's start getting to know each other. I mean, I wonder how many of you know where I actually work, what I do. Sometimes I wonder if Haynes even knows. <laughs> but being in community means being vulnerable. It means sharing. And, uh, you know, I just want to let you know that I love my church family. 
and I'm here for you. And Haynes and I always say our home is always open. The door is never locked. So when you come, just let yourself in. Knock and come in. And yep, my house won't be always tidy like it should be. I've learned to get over that. I've learned to get over the OCD of my house being tidy all the time. Um, you know, two Sundays, um, three, four Sundays ago, we had a new couple at church. And um, normally I would invite people over to the house, but then I'd prepare the night before. I'd give them lots of notice. But this new couple, we had things in common. It was a me too. I'd come from South Africa. Oh, me too. And so we said, come over for a meal. And we had gone the day before to this African pantry and we had bought burabos, which is like sausage. And we were just going to have burabos rolls and chips, you know, hot chips. And so I prepared nothing. You know, we have a dog. I wasn't worried about the smell of my house. I wasn't worried about, did I leave the dishes out that day? It was just come and be with us because me too. I want to know that, you know, that you know that you belong here, that you are welcome here, that you are home when you come to awaken. And so really I encourage you just to do life with each other. We all have to eat. We all have to have a meal. Let's do it together. Let's get to know each other. And then let's share the responsibility of bringing the food. Let's bring the better wine to all our celebrations. And let's do this together, church. Let's grow so we can impact up a hut one person at a time, drenching them in the love of Christ. Thank you. How good was that? I love that community is the training ground for love. So I was going to lean on that. Thank you, Karen, and thank you for being so vulnerable and honest. It's, yeah, your vulnerability gives permission for the rest of us to be vulnerable, and I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, hey, why don't we stand? We're going we're gonna to worship. We're going to set our hearts, our attention, our affection towards Jesus, gather around the table. But I, I do want to encourage you outside of this, don't just go from here and, and wish that you could find connection. Uh, here at Awaken, we are very uh, intentional about, uh, about everyone being self-governing. Uh, that means that you, you're responsible for your own connections and your own community. And, um, and we can help. But if, if I am the connection for everyone to be connected, then it all falls over with me. Yeah. Something that I've learnt um, as well, and I shared this last week, but I think it's valuable to share again, that uh, for my personality type, I, um, I like to reserve my energy. That's kind of the thing for me. Um, which means that I can be quite greedy, not with money, but with time, and I'm not someone who needs to uh, needs to be around a lot of people to feel energized. I gen, you know energize alone. But I have learnt that just because I don't need it, that doesn't mean that others don't. Like I actually need to share my time with others and be generous with my time with others because others need me. And you might be okay just to be home, but actually others need you. 
Others need your support. Others need to hear your story. Others need to hear your testimony. And so I would encourage you all. We talked about generosity last week. It includes our time, being generous with one another with our time. So yeah, let's gather around the table. Let me pray for us as we do that. Father, we just thank you that you have demonstrated family to us. We thank you that before you spoke life onto this earth, you were a family, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we thank you that you do put the lonely in families. And we thank you that the church right now, especially where the world is at right now with isolation, individualism, consumerism, the church, your people, the ones called by your name, we have this opportunity to, to disrupt that system, to show the world that there is a different way to live. There is a way that is life-giving that includes involving one another, being vulnerable and opening our hearts to one another. We just pray that we would demonstrate that as a church. We pray for boldness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give us boldness, courage to reach out, courage to say, I'm not doing okay, courage to invite people even into our homes. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in us and what you're doing through us. And we thank you for this moment that we have together right now as we worship you. Thank you, Lord. Feel free to come and, and share around communion as we worship.